Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and We did want to point out that we do have a a website now, which has only been active for about the last week or two. It's at theyogahour.com, theyogahour.com. You can check us out. There'll be enhanced material in support of each episode. The episodes are posted there, and you can see more about, the, for example, the guest bio and the things that we mentioned during the show. So uh, we hope you enjoy it, and that's also a way to contact us. Our topic today is Yoga for Cancer, Healing, Thriving, and Surviving. And I'm really delighted to be joined today by Tari Prinster. Tari is a cancer survivor, master yoga teacher, and author of the book Yoga for Cancer. She also founded Yoga for Cancer and the Yoga for Cancer Foundation, which brings oncology yoga to cancer survivors worldwide. Her organization has trained over 3,000 yoga teachers in the U.S. and abroad, and has provided help to tens of thousands of cancer survivors. You can find out more about Tari Prinster and her work at the website y4c.com. That's Y for yoga, obviously, for the numeral four, and then C for cancer. So y4c.com. Welcome, Tari Prinster. I'm really delighted to have you join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. I am delighted to be here with you also and looking forward to having a conversation with you because uh, the background that you bring to the Yoga Hour is really interesting to me and the work that I am doing. Uh, so thank you for that lovely introduction. Mm. And, uh, let's get started. Yeah. So before we dive into our dialogue about yoga for cancer, let's begin, as we always try to here on the show, with a yoga moment, a moment of present moment awareness and a little contemplation before we get started. So let's begin right where we are by bringing our attention to our body, bringing our attention to our body in space, in particular, particularly focusing on those areas that support us. So perhaps our feet are on the floor, perhaps we're sitting in a chair or walking, just feeling where our body connects with surfaces that support us. And then bringing our attention and our awareness to our breath, just noticing 
as we take a fully conscious breath, notice the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the parts of the body that move. And on the exhale, feeling them return. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, the warm air flowing out. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate from the Yoga Hours founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. When the thinking mind is agitated with worry and fear, the darkness of ignorance clouds our wisdom. When the thinking mind is agitated with worry and fear, the darkness of ignorance clouds our wisdom. This is when discernment is needed. Like a sheriff breaking up a fight, discernment asks the participants to quietly step outside. Stepping into the light, a new perspective emerges. We can similarly step outside our challenges by setting aside our worries and calling upon the spiritual power of clear discernment. So once again, Tari Prinster, welcome to the Yoga Hour. So in the introduction to your book, you say, some parts of cancer are difficult to control, but you can control how you respond to the diagnosis, how you feel about your body, and what you can do to try and heal it. <clears throat> I, I love the focus on the, the things that we can control, because as you point out in the book, Oftentimes when there is a diagnosis of cancer or even if a diagnosis in someone that we love, not even our, our own, but with, if it touches our family, it seems like many, many things are out of control. And yet there are things that, that are in our control, how we respond to the diagnosis, how we feel about our body and, and what we can do to try and heal it. So why do you call yoga a prescription for reclaiming life and a wellness plan for moving on to long-term health? Ah, well, it is the word prescription um, that probably um, uh, is is the focal point here. As one is diagnosed with cancer and then um, uh, put on a treatment plan, whether it is a traditional Western treatment plan or others, um, it, uh, it, it is usually the diagnosis is followed with some kind of prescription. Mm -hmm. um, a prescription for hopefully healing. And um, I, I was struck and still am struck by how um, little prescription is given to someone who uh, is diagnosed with cancer, what they can do for themselves rather than putting their uh, treatment plan in the hands of another, um, what they can actually do for themselves. So I'm on a path here to uh, in, in, uh, help the medical profession understand that prescribing chemotherapy, radiation, or whatever, or any um, Eastern medicines that might be prescribing something, that the prescription 
of along with the script, along with the writing that prescription out, yoga is prescribed because that is something that any patient or survivor can do for themselves. They don't need someone else to tell them what to do. Um, they just need to, uh, you know, do their yoga practice. And then the other part of the prescription is understanding why we are doing what we are doing when we do yoga. What are the things that are actually really um, scientifically in the in the body helping you to heal, helping you to bo both um, avoid a recurrence and also heal those parts of your body that may have been um, compromised by by treatments, particularly surgery. So um, it, it's something that I want the medical profession to prescribe, but it's something I want cancer patients and definitely survivors, long-term survivors, to prescribe for themselves. A mm. daily practice. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And uh, as we will talk about in a bit, there is a lot of scientific information that's that has come out and continues to come out about the benefits of yoga in this population. And I'd also point out for people who don't have cancer themselves or for people who uh, don't have a, um, someone that they love who has cancer, this really is broadly applicable. Many of the things we'll be talking about today is, are broadly applicable to any sort of illness, any sort of uh, disease process in the body can really be benefited um, by by yoga, by a yoga practice. So one of our assistant producers is a breast cancer survivor, a nurse, and a yogi. And reading your book, she says she can identify with the fear and feeling of betrayal from her previously very healthy body that she felt when she was diagnosed 17 years ago that you write about in the book. So one of the things that, that uh, struck me was you said cancer steals your breath and yoga gives it back. So... Can you say more about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty shocking to hear um, someone sit across the desk or even as it was in my case on the telephone, uh, you have cancer because it, 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 let's step back. Um, if you have not experienced it or have st someone in your family um, who has, there is a, um, a real fear that exists in this culture of, of, of about cancer, thinking that it is this, um, well, uh, only until recently, um, because of the data on the numbers of survivors, which is pretty um, impressive, we thought of cancer as a death sentence. It was only 40 years ago, 40 years, a little maybe plus, that the war on cancer was started. And um, that was uh, with the idea that there could be a cure for cancer. And guess what? That war failed. We know that we are not going to have a cure for cancer. We are going to live with cancer. And so the, the, the first shock of, of getting over that hearing that word that it's in me and I'm not going to escape it. I haven't escaped it by doing all the things that, um, it, you know, in eating the, the right foods, avoiding um, certain pollutants in our environment. Um, and, and I still get it. I still get cancer. What does that mean? Well, it means that um, you're going to have to take a deep breath. 
like we do in yoga and uh, start restructuring your life uh, to live with cancer. And we are living in a world with cancer. We're not going to eradicate it. Um, there are more people who survive cancer than die of cancer. And that is the real win of the war on cancer is that we have more and more ways of managing it, dealing with it, and uh, more people survive it than die of it, which is a good thing. But then we go on, uh, long-term survivor as your, your um, uh, co-producer, 17 years is a long time. So she's learned to live with that cancer. And I would say, you know, 40% of the world is going to be touched by cancer. Mm -hmm. That means there's a lot of people out there who are going to have to deal with it. Right now, yeah, for sure. I would just, I would just comment that. Um, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, I would just comment that the war on cancer, um, as you said, we're not going to eliminate cancer. Um, cancer will will always be there, and I, and I love the focus on the fact that there are more long term survivors, you know, now than there have been in the past. And I would also say that individual cancers, the cure rate of individual cancers, has in many cases has increased, you know, as as um, you know as the medical science has uh, progressed. And I would also agree with you that it's oftentimes. Um, the medical approach is just to view it from the medical standpoint of of prescribing certain drugs or surgery or you know of um, radiation therapy, those types of medical treatments, and oftentimes not taking the time to point out that there are many, many benefits to be had by something like yoga, for example. Absolutely. Um, I am uh, fascinated with the interest that is, since my diagnosis, which was 21 years ago, um, the, uh, the attention that was given to what was then considered, yoga fell into this category of being an alternative um, um, to other medications. And, and the medical profession did not embrace that. They um, were skeptical of it. The claims that the yoga world made about its being able to um, uh, cure and heal and, and do m wonderful things. They, they were skeptical of it 20 years ago. But because um, the medical profession has under embraced integrative services, integrating other kinds of um, uh, healing methods such as um, acupuncture, uh, Reiki, and, and, and now increasingly yoga, they are more willing to encourage their patients to seek these other and they are too because i've had um i've been to a couple of uh, given presentations at some grand rounds mm. and um found that what the the um when i talk about the kinds of benefits which we may be going into next but the benefits and you know one of the benefits uh, for example um uh, that that I mentioned in in these presentations, which I had them uh, several oncologists come up to me later saying, "I'm so glad you talked about that and told me, and and now I understand the mechanics of yoga that can help, and I don't have to prescribe more drugs to help my patients deal with some of the side effects that people are probably not aware of, that such as 
Um, all right, you get hair loss when you have treatments and you get nausea, but are you aware of how frequently and how deeply people suffer from something like constipation? Constipation as a side effect from the cancer treatments is really, really common. And doctors don't know what to do about it except prescribe another drug. So um, what we can do in yoga um, is, is provide um, asanas and even pranayamas that are beneficial to managing that very severe um, side effect. One, many, many side effects. Mm -hmm. So looking at, I mean, we've referred to this a couple of times now, is that there is a scientific basis for the fact that yoga is very beneficial. Can you give just a, a brief overview of what you feel are the most important? I mean, you have a whole chapter in the book that goes into this. And I also should point out that on the website, you provide a web, uh, a um, white paper, which, by the way, I thought was just a really wonderful service for people that you've brought together a lot of the research there and people can access it. And it's even in multiple languages. You have it in, I think, Spanish and um, I'm not sure what the Japanese, uh, Japanese you know, so that is really a service that your Y4C, the Yoga for Cancer group has provided for people. Um, and I believe that white paper, it's it's free. Anybody can download that and they can find it in your wonderful book, Yoga for Cancer. So um, can you uh, can you give us just a little bit of your view of, of uh, some of the most important um, parts of yoga that have been uh, shown to be beneficial from a scientific perspective? Uh, well, it starts with defining what yoga is, and yoga is um, breathing uh, and moving. It's breath synchronized with movement, and uh, it is in, in the magic of doing that um, that all sorts of side effects from treatments are, 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 are addressed. But more importantly, we go a little bit deeper under the skin to look at what actually happens in the mechanics of breathing. Um, what, what, as Laurel, what you did in, 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 your, um, in your opening, you know, feeling the movement of that inhale, what is happening with that inhale? What actually moves? And uh, what actually moves is um, the, the, the diaphragm muscle in the body. And what we have now is a lot of science, a lot of research that has looked at when we uh, do use the breath on, in pranayama, uh, it's directly related to a calming effect. It directly relates to how we get into that um, uh, restorative response that um, has been so well, well researched. Yes, the relaxation response uh, yeah. or the the kind of the counteracting whole set of of uh, changes in the body that that counteract the fight or flight, the fight, flight or freeze response. People are m perhaps more familiar with that, the stress response. But then there's this relaxation response that has been widely written about. And it, it is amazing, isn't it? As a physician, I found this particularly interesting, captivating, this uh, association between being able to trigger the relaxation response through the way that we're breathing. It's really remarkable. And, and that's, that's so, so well researched because it can be measured. We can actually 
measure someone's cortisol level before they do a breathing exercise, before they do pranayama, and measure it afterwards and see that that um, re, uh, uh, that the actual stress levels in that person's body have gone down. This is really great. Now that that's one of the simple and very, very well researched. But there are other things in, in relationship to cancer is that what we need to understand is that cancer is produced by a failure of the immune system. Right. And it is not some... Uh, germ floating out there in the air that attaches itself to our body. It is a failure of your immune system, is a failure of the things that are going on in your body. And we have a built-in way of managing that in our body, um, many ways, but the most important one is the lymph system. The lymph system is our built-in cancer monitor. Uh, it actually helps to detoxify the body. We hear a lot about, you know, detoxing and the things that you can buy off the shelf that are going to detox your body. What you do with your body in yoga is far more detoxing than any tablet or thing that you might buy to detox. And why is that? Well, it has to do with the breath again and also combining it with movement. So that breathing in, that breath that we took in when we began, was a, a, a way of the diaphragm contracting. And when it's, we breathe out, when we release that breath, when we exhale, that is the diaphragm relaxing. And what that the diaphragm muscle is doing right in the center of your body is massaging the lymph system. It's actually helping irrigate the whole body of lymph fluids, which is the way we, uh, you know, keep lymph moving through so we can keep it, our body sanitized. This is such a simple thing that our body does just with breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, it it uh, stimulates the vagus nerve and makes us relax, but it also irrigates the lymph system. Now, combining that with movement, we get even more irrigation of the lymph system. When you breathe in and raise your arms up, okay, and then use gravity to lower your arms down as well as relax that diaphragm muscle, you are using two parts of yoga to stimulate and irrigate two very important immune system systems. The nervous system is getting stimulated, the vagus nerve, which is the relaxation response, and the um, thoracic duct in the lymph system is also getting irrigated by the very movement of our muscles and bones and the breath. So that's my very short, fast lecture. Um, Okay, great. (laughs) Great. You've pointed to the benefits of two important yoga practices, yoga asanas or postures, as well as a pranayama. Uh, or breathing, various breathing exercises or practices. At the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, spiritual awakening is the goal of all of the yogic practices that we teach. And meditation is central to that, quieting the mind so that we can live in a way that is in alignment with our soul nature. So what about the importance of meditation in the treatment of cancer? Um, Well, 
Meditation is such a powerful tool. And unlike some of these other more physical things that are going on in the body, moving lymph and building strength, and um, <clears throat> it has been actually researched, the, 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 the data on the effects of meditation on, on those who are in a stressful situation, which cancer certainly is. It's very stressful to hear that diagnosis, to go through treatment and to deal with all of the unknowns of, uh, of having cancer. Not the least of which is dealing with the fear, the fear of, uh, uh, well, in my case, it, it's a, a constant fear of, um, of recurrence. Um, I would say that um, what meditation does is help us calm the mind, help us know and understand and have ways. It is such an incredible tool to quiet this mind that wants to run in that direction of mm -hmm. all negative thoughts. Um, and certainly a, a, a cancer patient and survivor is going to, at least on some occasions, have those fears and negative thoughts. Um, hopefully they will have learned that thoughts do no, are, are, are not real, that they um, are um, uh, not real like the sensation of, uh, of, of having um, uh, um, a, a, a good um, massage. I mean, that's the way we can feel good and feel, but um, meditation is sort of a way to massage the mind into calmness. So um, that is, I think, uh, the most important way that we use meditation. Now, I, I have to say, too, that in the Yoga for Cancer approach, in the methodology, um, we use meditation as a, not so much as just go with your thoughts or you know, push your negative thoughts away, but we try to um, guide the thought pattern to something that is um, uh, away from our, our physical body sensations. And with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with my guest, Tari Prinster. Tari is a yoga teacher and founder of the organization Yoga for Cancer. Her organization has trained over 3,000 yoga teachers in the U.S. and abroad and has provided help to tens of thousands of cancer survivors. The book we're discussing today is Yoga for Cancer, and her website is y4c.com. We'll be posting the links to her website and um, her book on our website, theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us through the website, theyogahour.com. When I, we come back from the break, we'll explore more about yoga for cancer. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, here today with Tari Prinster, author of the book that we're talking about today, Yoga for Cancer. So Tari, in Chapter 3 of the book, you identified 10 benefits of yoga for cancer. And I thought it would be useful, we don't have time to go into them in much detail, but even just to give an overview of what those are. And we've mentioned, uh, you mentioned um in the first segment, you mentioned detoxifying the body. So there's one that we've already, that we've already covered. And then another uh, being the strengthening of the immune system. Um, you kind of pointed to in your comments there. So what are the other eight? Um, well, let, let's use that word strength again, uh, strengthening, which is may not be familiar to a lot of people as to how, powerful cancer treatments affect bone strength and bone density. Um, that is, a, it, 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 it's, it's just huge. Um, along with muscles, uh, muscle um, muscles weaken and atrophy during treatment. Um, but, and then there's a, a weakening to other body parts, such as the heart. Some um, cancer medications are really quite, um, um, aggressive on 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 the heart function altogether. So, yoga strengthens all of these things by a, a very simple pranayama and asana practice. Um, so that's a, 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 that's three. Uh, um, a, a fourth would be range of motion. Many many of the surgeries for cancer treatment um, are affect range of motion, in particular. Um, breast cancer, which is probably one of the most common cancers, and we hear and talk about a lot, but range of motion is definitely affected. I, I think one, uh, um, and so um, a fifth one would be uh, yoga strengthens the spine, and getting back to the science of yoga and going deep underneath the skin, I think we don't understand and appreciate how critical the spine is to keeping the immune system functioning. Mm. Uh, it, it protects the spinal column and spinal cord, but it also is directly related to how we get, um, how, how the cardiovascular system works. Um, so this uh, spine strength is really important. Um, then I, I think a, a sixth way is one that we have already touched on also a little bit in, and that is, mind management, mind management, uh, not only of fears and anxiety, but mind management of pain, how one approaches pain. And maybe when we get into the coaches, we'll uh, touch a little bit more on how that, that kind of wisdom uh, happens through a yoga practice. And, and then um, um, uh, I think a, a seventh way, <laughs> And again, uh, this is, goes back to bones, but it also goes back to a lot of things that happen in a, a human as we get older and are more inclined to be touched by cancer. And that is loss of balance. 
So in a yoga practice, we do lots of wor working with balance. And, mm -hmm. you know, cancer will throw you out of balance just in your life process. But um, it also is, is part of the life process without cancer of uh, maintaining uh, a good balanced body and how to, how to not be afraid of falling. Um, yeah. And, and then I think one, and, and this is one that is kind of subtle, but it is, there's more research on it, is that yoga is being used as a way to manage weight. And what we do know about cancer is that weight and obesity are probably the most common causal connection to cancer. Um, and the, the American Cancer Society all the time just preaches, preaches, preaches how to, you know, manage your weight is the first step to avoiding um, a cancer diagnosis. Um, then I would say yoga gives us a way to um, develop a better body image. And, and your, your co-producer comment about, you know, uh, having been betrayed by her body, Yoga is a way to come back to your body, to have re, re unite with it and begin to enjoy it and not feel betrayed, but rather um, re regard it with better, re better regard <laughs> uh, to appreciate it more. And then finally, I would say the benefit of understanding what self-care is. Yoga teaches us how to take care of ourselves. And um, that is what, you know, doctors can only go so far in taking care of you. And then they need to get the, the reins over to the patient and survivor to take care of themselves. And that's one of the biggest benefits of yoga. Yeah. Oh, what a great overview you just gave. That was really wonderful. So you base the Y4C or Yoga for Cancer program on the principles of the koshas, the sheaths of the soul. For students of the philosophy of yoga, they may be familiar with this. For some, this may be new teaching. In her book, The Jewel of Abundance, Yogacharya O'Brien, the founder of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and of the Yoga Hour, uh, in discussing the koshas, says there is only one self. That's S, capital S self. There's only one self without division. There are no parts to our essential being, only wholeness. The apparent divisions refer to different functions, like different rooms in the house of the self. Our task is to understand the functions of each of the different sheaths and support their harmonious balance. So in the, fir the first one that you talk about is the is the pranamaya kosha or the breath sheath and I, I would just point out that in in other teachings that i've read the first one that they talk about is the physical sheath the anamaya kosha which we'll get to in a minute um and i and i wondered if the reason that you talk about this one first is the is the importance that you base on the uh, prana and how even getting back to that first thing we talked about how yoga steal or how a diagnosis of cancer can steal your breath and yoga gives it back. So it seemed to me like that's probably why you put that one first, the pranamaya kosha. And really, you know, oftentimes people who will look at a diagram of the koshas, they'll be, it's like a bullseye, you know, where they're progressively inside each other. But it, we know it's not really like that, that all of these five sheaths are present all throughout our bodies. They interpenetrate each other. So it's just a matter of 
kind of custom, I guess, which one you talk about first. So tell us about the importance of, of the uh, pranamayakosha or the breath sheaths, prana being the vital force or enlivening energy that's connected to the breath. Uh, well, I think I have uh, spoken a little bit about how that breath works, and um, and what and I did deliberately start with it first because um, one one of the keys to yoga for cancer to this methodology is understanding that the healing part of the breath is the exhale. I mean, you did a beautiful opening ohm, but when you are oming, you are doing an exhale. Right. You can't ohm on an inhale. And it's it's the part of breathing that kind of gets shortchanged in the yoga world. And going back to what I spoke about, the relaxation response and the connection to the vagus nerve, we want to be able to have access, to have ready access to the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and that is um, through the exhale. And there's research that shows that it is that exhale that initiates the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's, it's great to take an inhale and bring in all that stimulation of the outside world, but the real key to healing is in the exhale. Mm. So in, in, in terms of really defining breath and the parts of the breath and drawing strong, strong attention in this world of yoga for cancer, bringing the healing breath, um, which is the exhale, not the inhale. Um, inhale's good. We need it. Yeah, we're not going to get too far without it. That's for sure. But no, I, I like your pointing out the importance of the exhale. And in particular, we do know that the length of the exhale compared to the inhale, lengthening the exhale is one way very quickly to tap into that relaxation response. And that is something that people can, it's a great tool for people to know about, for them to begin to consider if they find themselves getting anxious or fearful is just taking a longer exhale. And as a, a prior guest, I had a physician, Baxter Bell, on the show not too long ago, and he was saying that even just humming, humming on the uh, exhale will help you pr uh, prolong it. So if you're in a spot where you can actually take an inhale and then hum on the exhale, it's going to help you lengthen the exhale without having to count. Uh, which sometimes gets people too much in their head. So anyway, I like that. I like your focus on the exhale. That's great. So the next sheath that you refer to is the anamai kosha or the physical sheath. And what is it about this? Obviously with the asanas that we've already talked about and marrying the awareness of the breath with movement, that is the essence. I agree with you of the, of a physical, what makes yoga, uh, the the asana practice, the physical posture practice yoga is doing that is that conscious awareness of the breath and using the breath. So what else did you want to mention about the manamaya kosha or the physical sheath? Uh, well, I, I, I think I'm sorry, I, the Anamaya Kosha, anamaya the physical sheath, yes. The Manamaya Kosha. Um, I, I think that um, we can't separate our, 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 
um, our bodies from this whole experience of cancer. Um, that's what's going on. And so breathing does require a body to breathe. Um, but then when we combine it with movement, um, we, we turn it into, and I'm going to use this word very, very delicately, um, we turn it into exercise. When we combine breath and movement, we start moving. Our bodies are built to move. They're not built to sit still. Um, they're not built to, they're built to go someplace. And um, I, what I have uh, created in the methodology of combining breath and movement very, very well synchronized. We move on a certain breath and um, we inhale, we do certain things. We exhale, we move in other ways. And it's really, really important to understand them because how that that works. Um, but more importantly, I, 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 I want to uh, get to um, th that once we do start moving, um, which then becomes a, a, a form of, of exercise, uh, mindful exercise. I don't want to say that yoga is a, 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 by any way, I don't want it to become an exercise class, but it is um, not staying stationary. It mm -hmm. is moving around. And, um, and the asanas do that um, in a very structured, uh, synchronized way with the breath that provides all this long list of benefits. Um, you know, it's the, when we move, we're going to strengthen our muscles. When we move, we are going to strengthen our heart. And so if we're going to get these benefits, we have to add in the physical body and the actual movement. Mm -hmm. um, I was just going to, I was just going to say one of the things that struck me about your description of your own cancer journey that you describe in the book is that when you were going through chemotherapy, which was a very prolonged process for you, it, it sounds like it went on for a about 10 months or so that you had your yoga mat that was set up in a pretty place in your home. It was in front of some windows that gave you a nice view. And that when you would, uh, when, when you were going through the chemotherapy that sometimes you would just lie there and then feel where in your body you felt the aliveness. That was how you would start your practice and then let it your home practice and then let it go from there. And, and I thought that was, you you were finding a way to figure out how you could begin to get into movement from a place that probably you were pretty exhausted when you were going through that when you were going through chemotherapy. Yeah, um, uh, we we do start with stillness. Not only making the mind still with with meditation and and pranayama, but uh, making the key starting with a still body and then beginning to introduce small movements synchronized with the breath. Um, you know, that, that takes us into a space that is, that is, I mean, we use this word mindful a lot. Mm -hmm. And what, what that really means is that our mind um, is uh, focusing on things other than those many, many thoughts that are distracting to us in our mind. But mindful moving uh, can take us to a place of bigger movements where we then can begin to find 
confidence and comfort. I, I, I just want to say, too, that um, there's been a fair amount of research done on the relationship to, as, as you were saying, Laurel, I was feeling pretty tired in fatigue. Fatigue is another side effect of cancer treatments, not a, a, a best kept secret at all. People get tired and fatigued from the treatments and there's, we won't go into why that is, but the research shows having taken people who are, they give them a, a, a very, they tell them not to move, not to do anything, which is what my doctors told me, go home, rest, don't do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and they t the research combines the, the control group doing nothing, resting, and then the experimental group is given a prescription of moving and breathing. And self-reported, of course, the levels of fatigue in those who did the exercise was skyrocketed higher than those who were told to go home and rest. Mm -hmm. So in other words, movement is the prescription for fatigue mm. isn't that isn't that uh, uh counterintuitive huh it's so but it, it's, it's wonderful that this kind of science is beginning to tell us what we should how we should respond how we should recover how we should avoid a, a recurrence and how we can deal through treatments Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It actually just briefly reminds me as a physician how advice and so many things has really changed from bed rest, which we used to prescribe a lot more in the 80s when I was in medical school, to now when early, early ambulation, get, getting people up, getting people moving is now, we know, is much better <laughs> in many cases than, than right. bed rest. So the next kosha is the monomaya kosha. We've talked about the uh, pranamaya kosha, the energy or breath sheath, and then the, the anamaya kosha, which is the physical body. Now we're in the monomaya kosha, refers to the mind, and also called the mental sheath. This is where the thinking mind is, the sense mind that receives the input from our senses. So how is this looked at from your perspective from the yoga for cancer approach? Well, I, I, I think the most powerful way to express that is that um, um, our, our mind is a little devil. <laughs> it is always wanting to distract us. Um, and so some of us sort of feel like, well, first of all, where is the mind and what, it, what does it contain? I'm not too sure where the mind is, um, but what we do know that it contains is only thoughts, and and, and thoughts aren't real. Um, it, they're not like what the body contains, uh, which is sensation. We we know the world through our body, not through our mind. But our mind would like us to think otherwise. Our mind would like to think that it knows the world better than we do, than our bodies do. So I see this kosha as a way of finding, um, uh, to, to training the mind. We we need to under we need to have the power and the the, the sheath of knowing how to clear that mind of all of its <clears throat> distraction that is distracting us from the healing process and bringing us into the healing process by feeding the mind with things that we control, that we want, that 
there is hope. And um, so that's how I see the body wisdom. The body is going to tell the mind, okay, things aren't so great, but they're also not so bad. Mm. I still can get up in the morning and see this incredible, beautiful landscape. And guess what? The sun came up. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So it's a way of training the mind. So then the briefly, because we, we, I realize we're, uh, we don't have too much time, but the fourth uh, sheath is uh, the wisdom sheath or the Vijnana Mayakosha. So our inner knowing is here, our discernment, that, that uh, quote from earlier talked about discernment. So how is this principle used in the yoga for cancer approach? <clears throat> well, I, I would say it, it is the way that we connect to a higher, a, a higher understanding of, of the world in, gener in, in general. Um, and this, it is the kosher that brings us out into the world, that puts us, places us in the world, uh, that gives us connection. Uh, so it's a, a, it's a way of stepping away um, from our emotional world and a way of stepping into the world of other survivors and uh, and you know people may not understand that your uh, cancer can be very very lonely and the power of being in community being in the world and knowing that that our our suffering is not ours alone um so i would say that this is the the discernment of our connectedness to the outer world to the, the to the larger world and then the fifth sheath that we're talking about the sheath is the bliss sheath or the anandamaya kosha you also call this the self-compassion sheath so what is the importance of this sheath in yoga for cancer well um i, I would say it, it it rests on the word um unbound it's the sheath that free gives us freedom. The sheath that starts with self acceptance, self awareness, self understanding, and it is grounded in our being able to be non responsive to some of the emotional sides of our life. And that opens us up, opens us up to a, a, um, a, a, the emotion of being blissful and content in the world. Oh, ab absolutely, absolutely. So with that, in closing, we've come to the last minute or so of the show. Are there any words of encouragement or inspiration that you'd like to share with our listeners? <clears throat> well, there is one um, mantra that I have not mentioned besides <clears throat> cancer steals your breath away, yoga gives it back. But I would add to that too, in, in, in my hope, that um, both the world of medicine and of oncology and the world of yoga understand that yoga is as scientific as it is spiritual. And um, the things that we do in, in, in yoga when they are explained from a scientific perspective, are inspiring and give hope. Um, it's um, yoga leads us to spirituality, but it also lead, leads us to health and well-being. 
based in science. Mm. Well, that's lovely. And with that, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. We've been discussing Yoga for Cancer with Tari Prinster, the author of the book we've been discussing today, Yoga for Cancer. You can find out more about Tari Prinster and her work at her website, y4c.com. And we'll also be posting her information on our website, theyogahour.com. Thank you so much, Tari Prinster, for joining me today on the show. Thank you, Laurel. It's been a pleasure. Actually, it's been lots of fun. (laughs) For me, too. Join me next time on the Yoga Hour when Jeremy Ingalls, the author of the book, The Ethics of Oneness, Emerson Whitman and the Bhagavad Gita, will be joining me. We'll be exploring how living the concept of oneness can be an antidote to our current climate of separation. For listeners, we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs daily from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Pacific, daily afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific, and then Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific time each week. You can learn more about CSE online programs at csecenter.org or at Yogacharya O'Brien's website, ellengraceobrien.com. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to check out our new website, theyogahour.com, to learn more about the Yoga Hour and to access our library of podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcast, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Anne Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and as always, Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.